Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle, your host for today's continuing conversation on marriage and emotional connection. I am so glad you have found your way here for this invigorating conversation on really healthy interpersonal relationships. That's what we do here. We talk about the threefold cord of healthy, 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 emotional and relational and very often spiritual health. Because I personally believe when this threefold cord is activated and practiced on a daily basis, when we have a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills, everything within our spheres of influence begins to flow in a very rich, remarkable, meaningful way. In no way, shape, or form does it mean that we are perfect because you know what? We're human beings, and as human beings, we're going to always be imperfect until that final day, as I believe, when I enter into the presence of God, and then I will receive a new spiritual body, and, and you know, that will be amazing. And last week, we started with the what I believe is the fundamental basis for any interpersonal relationship, but most most importantly in our marriage relationships. And that is something researchers call attachment theory or secure attachment. I share my story of revelation of when this aha moment came in the backseat of a car on the way home from a girl's getaway when I understood, wow, that's what That's the missing piece to my inability to really relate at my healthiest level. So I I instantly um, took a beautiful certification in attachment theory and not that I'm a master at it, but it was certainly revelational and it changed a huge piece of my personal and professional life. Well, attachment is is basically just our search for connection, our need to belong, our desire to feel deeply connected, deeply valued, and deeply seen. So I asked that question last week. Are you ready to be fully known and fully seen? And if your answer was yes, then that is going to involve having people in your life who you consider to be safe people, people in which you feel you can be your truest self. You take off your facade, you you lay down your defense armor, you put your coping mechanisms to the side, you, you really become raw and vulnerable and slowly and surely in the presence of a safe trustworthy person, slowly and surely, 
you begin to absorb this beautiful, beautiful thing called secure attachment. In short, just a short review, attachment researchers found that they could categorize the quality of relationships that babies had with their main caregivers by observing how the babies responded to everyday stressful situations. This work was by the researchers John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth, and it began in the mid 20th century. And they just put a bunch of babies into this study and created different emotional situations where they could witness and observe and record and see how these babies responded in these everyday stressful situations. And so they grouped the responses that they saw, that they found into three distinct categories, secure, insecure, anxious, and insecure, avoidant. That's the simplest uh, way I know how to explain attachment theory. These early researchers noted that when stressed, babies with secure attachment showed their distress in an observable way, but their response was not excessive. These babies seemed relaxed about seeking help and more often had interactions with their caregivers that ended in their being calmer and ready to move on from the stressful event. So basically, in another term that I use quite a bit in our community is resilient. So these babies definitely were in the same stressful situation as all the other babies, but the babies who had this security, this innate understanding that they were well cared for, their caregivers responded in a very efficient time frame, and their needs were met. So bottom line, their needs were met. They were fed, their diapers were changed, they were calmed, they were soothed, they were reassured that everything in the world is okay. And ultimately, yeah, you guessed it, they knew. They didn't just feel, they knew they were safe. So secure attachment is knowing that you are very safe in the presence of another human being. And when that, and if that connection, uh, if that attachment is not made with that primary first caregiver in your life, it does leave a sense of insecurity and you either show that by being anxious or being avoidant. And then there's a fourth category that some researchers talk about, a ambivalent attachment. But for the sake of all that, I just want to dig in just one more time into the brain science of attachment because, you know, we're getting a little technical in this little mini-series. But I'm reading out of a brilliant um, book by Christina Reese, Dr. Christina Reese, called Attachment. Oh, this is such a great, great workbook. She writes, Our brain categorizes and organizes information about the world around us through our five senses. Now, Dr. Reese is really speaking here as well to the beautiful new revolutionary modality I have just been certified in, aroma freedom technique, which uses the sense of smell along with neuroscience and psychology to help us clear 
negative emotions and negative uh, circumstances and memories from our neural pathways, which is neuroplasticity, and allows us to live in an optimized state in our brain. So Dr. Reese writes, we see, excuse me, we see, hear, smell, feel, or taste something that creates a memory. And this memory is then categorized and stored in our brain. The involvement of the senses in the creation of memories, oh, hear me here, is the reason why trauma is experienced through the senses and remembered that way. Flashbacks and traumatic memories most often involve the senses. Just think about that. Touch for abuse victims. Mm. Really is so profoundly vital. A person may hear something that reminds them of a traumatic event or see something that is similar to a traumatic memory. They may taste or smell something that triggers a memory. The involvement of the senses in trauma is the reason why most coping skills for trauma and grounding techniques for flashbacks also involve the senses. And and I believe she's um, really talking here about a lot of the modalities of EMDR and uh, there's several others and Aroma Freedom that really involve the senses mightily. For example, common coping strategies include touching an object, smelling cologne, eating a peppermint. Involving the five senses in coping is a logical strategy because these senses were involved in encoding the trauma and triggering the memory. Continuing with our understanding of the brain and attachment, when we have an experience, whether positive or negative, our senses create a memory that is presented to the brain for categorization and storage. Oh boy, hear me. Our brain then creates neural pathways to that memory, to that specific memory, which are reinforced each time a similar event occurs. The more the memory is reinforced, the deeper the pathway in the brain becomes. About that in previous episodes, so um, I don't want to go deep and wide into it, but the this disorganized attachment was identified in 1990 by Maine and Solomon. And once again, I'm reading from Dr. Christina Reese's book, Attachment. This style of relating is characterized by abuse and neglect, which causes the child to be very reactive to any form of attachment. Remember, our, our ultimate stance that we want to move through our life in is responsive. We don't want to live our life from a reactive stance. That's what we work so hard on developing and practicing uh, here. Indeed, this disorder, organized, disorganized or disordered, sometimes it's called, this attachment style can lead to something called reactive attachment disorder. And I do see this, um, more than I want to see, especially in clients that have been abused, neglected, and here to say the great news is we can develop secure attachment. Oh my goodness, we serve a great and mighty God who um, gives us an increased capacity to grow and transform and to leave the old ways, the old narratives, whatever is in our old 
uh, early history, you know, we can bring that history of hurts here into the present. We can make sense of it. We can make meaning of it. We can make peace with it. And that's the big part of our heart lift method. You know, we, we go into the past, we bring it into the present so that we don't carry it into the future. And now with our Roma Freedom Technique, understanding that we don't want to have any negative, uh, deeply uh, painful charges, emotional charges connected to memory. So a great deal of the work that I do in Aroma Freedom is with the one of the modalities or techniques called the memory resolution technique. And this involves that memory reconsolidation you hear me talk about quite a bit. And we start in that modality, in that technique, with a specific memory that you just can't seem to shake you um, are triggered by certain things uh, and that brings that memory up. So that just informs us that that memory has not been consolidated. It has not been put to rest in the hippocampus and it's firing up in the amygdala. Okay, so we have this beautiful technique, the memory resolution technique, TMRT, that involves neuroscience, psychology, and aromatherapy with our strategically formulated uh, therapeutic grade young living oils, essential oils. And we utilize that sense of smell to clear the neural pathway that that negative, deeply painful emotional energy is stuck. And I am here to say I have seen miraculous clearings and people being able to actually make uh, sense of these things that have happened in their um, history of hurts and move forward into future freedom. Miraculous. I give God the glory, obviously. But when you suffer with reactive attachment disorder, and maybe I'm speaking to you, maybe you have um, a, a been abused in your childhood or your past. Maybe you have suffered neglect. Um, I understand that pain. And, you know, there was a day when psychiatrists would say, oh, don't touch that. Just leave it be. It's fine. It's it's just don't don't bring it up. It would cause too much pain. But now that research proves that we have a brain capable of rewiring neuroplastic brains, that is no longer uh, something that we have to just let sit in our amygdala in the fight, flight, or freeze. We can actually clear that and rewire and create new emotional learning. And that's just such a great, great, exciting uh, fulfillment of God saying, behold, I do a new thing. You can be a new creature. I just love that. So when the child responds to any attempts to connect, now really lean in here. You know, I always like to say lean in when I feel like it will resonate deeply and you can hear and listen between the lines. With distrust and defensiveness, in order to protect him or herself from harm. In his experience or her experience, attachment has not been positive. In fact, it hasn't met needs. In fact, it has created harm. 
So the child's personality development is greatly impaired. He does not see, she does not see value in himself or others, may hurt herself or others, and may be aggressive or, as I might add here, may be very avoidant. And um, when they get close or intimate, then they pull back and they, they want to run, run for the hills. Because attachment with an early caregiver, their earliest usually, has not been a safe place in which to be. Emphasis on being. Remember that when we possess this beautiful, secure attachment, we're able to be our truest self. Our essence is, a, is safe in the presence of another person who's trustworthy, who we have deemed safe. We can just be. We don't have to put on facades. We lay aside defense and coping mechanisms. And we are that true God-breathed self that God created back in Genesis 2, 7. When a child has a disorganized attachment, and I, I, am, I really felt to go into this today because I do believe there are some of you who may have been like, why do I do this? Why do I act this way? Why can I not just relax in the presence of someone I know really does love me for me? but I just can't do it. This even leads into sexual intimacy. It's very critical in the sexual realm of intimate relationship. And most often, honestly, most often that might be the place where it is the diff most difficult to be able to trust and let go and relax and enjoy because attachment has never been safe, never been safe. So when someone has this disordered, disorganized attachment, they may display more anger than any other emotion, though beneath this anger is often a deep sadness, deep grief. He or she is unable to regulate emotions or express them appropriately, not with everyone, but typically it really shows up when you're pressing into being intimate with another person. Really quiet, really intimate. Someone is seeing into your soul. And that can be very difficult. And that means that we, you know, we tend to push them away. I certainly did this in the period of my dating relationship with Rob. I was so head over heels on one hand, and on the other hand, absolutely petrified. And I didn't know why, and I pushed him away, and I pushed him away until one fateful day on a mission trip in Mexico, I was staying in the back of our missionary. He had allowed three of uh, the young girls, because everyone else had to sleep on the floor at the, in this very rough place and he allowed the three girls to sleep in his camper and so I was in the camper um, getting ready and um, Rob knocked on the door opened the door I had been really being mean really pushing him away really avoiding him and we were dating and we were very really seriously dating and I was like I can't do this I just can't do this I I just shut down pushed away avoided and he knocked on the door and I opened it and he 
handed me this little box. And in this little box, I later found the most beautiful, beautiful gold earrings he had bought on the trip in Tosco, Mexico, which is a beautiful place for buying jewelry. And he said, you need to make a decision. You need to make up your mind. Do you want this relationship or don't you? And, you know, some might think that's a bit harsh, but it wasn't. He was actually calling me to accountability, and he's had to do that on many occasions. And uh, I didn't understand at the time that it was because I didn't know how to attach. I just didn't. I didn't know, <laughs> especially to a male, um, having had a father that was pretty absentee for me. And so, you know, complicated, but maybe you can hear and relate to that in some way. Oftentimes when we have that kind of disorganized attachment, we don't respect others because they have not been, he's not been respecting him or herself. You don't follow directions because you don't identify the adults who are giving the directions as safe people. So remember, we're made for connection. We're our deepest, deepest God-breathed need is to connect and to belong and to know that we have value, worth, and dignity. And that, my friends, is why I am here. So I also wanted to talk today about something called attunement. And we have talked about that, about that as well here in um, speak, our Speak Healing Words podcast. But I just wanted to reiterate the importance of attunement. What is that? And why is that necessary for a strong marriage, strong, healthy interpersonal relationships, and most importantly, for emotional connection, emotional intimacy? Attunement is being connected to a person in such a way that you respond to the needs of the other person before that need is even expressed. Attunement is the building block of trust. When a need is met before, hear this, before it is even voiced, it builds confidence in the person who met the need. In turn, trust is built. So when a parent meets the, their a child's need before it's voiced, trust is built in inside of the, uh, you know, the parent, the child, the infant. The infant goes, I can trust this person. We're not conscious of this at all. It's on the deepest level. It's within our subconscious. When a parent sees their baby rubbing their eyes and begins rocking them to sleep, trust is built. They see this baby's getting tired. I need to meet this need and I need, I need to make space for it. It means that that child knows it is valued. On the deepest level, it doesn't consciously know that. So critical. The parent is attuned to the child and attentive to their needs. So attunement is, what does that look like then? It looks like you're aware, you're awake in your relationships. You listen way more then you talk. You don't easily jump in to fix a problem. If someone's coming to you to share something, you listen, you lean in, you listen between the lines, you offer a shoulder to lean on and a heart to hear, and you're just present. 
You're present to the relationship. So this week, as we move through uh, understanding, once again, that foundation of a secure attachment in our relationships and how to practice attunement in our relationships, just take a few moments uh, throughout this week, these next seven days before we meet again. And, And next episode is all about acceptance. Oh, another one of our favorite words how we accept ourselves and how we accept others. But just be very present and aware of the relationships in your life, particularly the five closest relationships in your life. In our weekly e-news this past week, our Today's Heart Lift, I quoted and mentioned Robin Dunbar's work, and he discovered that based on the size of the human brain, We are most likely only capable of sustaining five close relationships. Individuals, he says, generally have up to five people in the closest layer. The next closest layer contains an additional 10, the one beyond that and an extra 35, and the final group another 100. So cumulatively, the layers contain 5, 15, 50, and 150 people. That's why you may have heard someone say, you know, in your lifetime, I know I've taught this in my conferences and seminars and workshops, you know, in a lifetime, you may have, and they'll hold up one hand, five intimate relationships. That's just based on research and study as all things with the human brain and the the body are pretty much definitely with the human brain. That because of the size of our brain, our capacity to really have deep, intimate connection and value and belonging, really, we only have the capacity for five people. Uh, our social interactions, our social engagement, our spheres, you know, they, they get bigger and bigger, but ultimately, probably about 150, we engage, hey, how you doing? We see them in athletics, at school, we see them at church, this and that and the other. So this week, just take a look, take some time to examine, you know, to look into your heart and your mind and look at your life and look at those relationships that you are most closely uh, in proximity and also uh, perhaps in intimacy. How are you doing? You know, we ask that question of ourselves here a lot. How am I doing today? As I look into the mirror of my soul, I look into my thoughts and my mind and my intellect and my soul. I ask myself, how am I doing today? There are several tools that can help us with that. One is St. Ignatius, the, the beautiful Franciscan priest who developed the daily examine. And I will put that link up on our Facebook page, our private Facebook, Speak Healing Words, the community as well. So have a great week. Be thinking and looking at these close relationships in your life and and ask yourself these questions. Am I ready to be fully seen and known? How am I doing with feeling secure? Meaning I feel safe in this presence of this person. I feel, uh, I trust the five people that are in the closest proximity and relationships with me. I feel secure and stable. I feel able to be 
my truest self? If you answer yes, fantastic. If you answer no, please visit Speak Healing Words, the community where I put this beautiful additional information and links to the attachment quiz and all of these resources. And connect with me, please, on um, my website as well, JanelleRairdon.com. And let's grow. Let's grow together and be stronger than ever. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleRiordan.com. 